0: Hey, welcome to the HopeCast for the week of October 30th, 2022. This week, we are looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, at the story of Zacchaeus, who was, in fact, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. We pray this is a blessing and an encouragement to you, and uh, we hope that you enjoy. Peace. It's good to see everybody this morning. Hope everybody's having a, a good uh October, which is almost gone, which is ridiculous because it just started like two days ago and it's already gone. <laughs> it's crazy um, for, for our family uh, and, and for at least one other in here. I know football has been taking over our lives for the past five months, it feels like since July and uh, it's almost over. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready. And uh, but we got one more game or everybody's been healthy everybody's been safe no major injuries so we're grateful for that um but uh, fall is is uh is here and it's really not that long till winter right we're going to uh get into see halloween is tomorrow then in like 3 days it'll be thanksgiving and then 2 days after that it'll be christmas and then uh, the next day is you know valentine's day and so it's just the older the older i get which you know, depending on who you ask, I feel like I'm getting, I can't believe I've made it this far. Like, you know, 20 years ago, Steve, how are you going to feel when you're first two? Um I That wasn't even like a thought, like how, and maybe somebody feels the same. But then you ask some other folks, oh, you're still a baby. I'm like, I know, I feel like I'm still a baby. I don't, I'm waiting to like grow up. One of the kids asked the other day, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out one day. Um. But I know we're glad to, to see everybody this morning, um, and uh, if, if you want to go ahead, if you got your uh, Bibles or your Bible app or whatever, we'll be looking in Luke chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 10, at uh, what probably is a familiar story, right? Um, but have any of you ever taken a risk at something? Anybody ever started your own business, for instance? Started, I, I knew we had a couple, probably um, ever, um, let's see, what's another, another risk entered, uh, maybe went back to school as an adult. Yeah, that's a big, that's kind of a risk. Uh, maybe moved from one place to another kind of far away or, or maybe even just a short distance, put your house up on the market. Is it going to sell now today's market? It might be pretty good, although I think it's cooled down some, but uh, I remember a few years ago when we sold our house, you know, it sat out there for a few months and then we were kind of like oh lord is this going to be we're going to sell it cuz we can't sell it we're going to have to move back in it cuz i don't know if we can keep going you know um but uh it did thank goodness um so so many of our times and li- uh, t- so many times in our lives we take risks about different things small things little things and we always have to think about the return on investment or roi uh if i do this is it going to be worth the cost? Cause there's always a cost, right? Whether it's monetary or some other kind of thing that's harder to measure like social cost or um, time costs, that sort of stuff. Is it gonna be worth the cost to do this? And then what am I not able to do because I'm doing this, right? That's opportunity cost, right? Because I'm going to go back to school, that means I may have to cut back on my work hours. And so if I'm in a position where I get paid overtime or that sort of stuff, so that's going to come back. And the schooling is going to cost X amount of dollars, right? Some of you that have uh, kids in college, a couple of kids in college, uh, you know higher education is not cheap right now, right? Somebody, anybody want to throw out a number approximately per credit hour? What y'all are seeing, Huh? Anywhere from $250 to $400 a credit hour, and that's on the low end. Some of you were like, oh, my gosh, where's that at? That's where I want to go. <laughs> so that's per credit hour. So times three is typically one class. Times four is one semester at least. Some, some of you who have overachievers are times five and six and seven, taking 25 credit hours per semester, which is crazy. Um, but anyways, we have to take risk, right? We take risks. We have to measure, is this going to be worth it in the end? If if Am I going to be able to benefit from this in a positive way, right? Well, today in our story, we see a guy that takes a risk, okay? And this is a, a familiar story if you've been around church or even in church at all, uh, especially if you were there since you were a kid. You probably know this story, okay? Um, but we're going to read it. And then kind of talk about this guy and his risk and how it kind of paid off for him and how ultimately it's a risk that we all should take and it pays off in a big way. So this is Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10 and the the, the heading of this, if, if your Bible has headings, some Bibles do, some translations don't, uh, may be titled The Calling of Zacchaeus. Okay? So... Verse 1, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain, he's going to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house Jesus told him because he too is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to dive into it. Show us what you want us to see. Give us courage and strength to make any changes we need. There you go. Sorry for that musical interlude there. <laughs> we got a got an apprentice on the on the technology. Um, so the context of this, right? Because if you pull if you pluck any Bible verse, just out, if you just like reach in like a claw machine into the Bible and just pull out, you know, Job two verse four, right? It, it it often can, it's possible that it can speak to you, but to really understand it, you have to know what's going on around it. Okay, you wouldn't just open up Moby Dick to page four hundred and look at you know, the second paragraph and be like, oh, this is what this book is all about because you have to read the whole book and the Bible is that way. It's been put into chapters and verses to help us find find our place in it, but it's one continuous thing. So So what's happening in this? Well, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, okay? And now he's been in Jerusalem many times before, but he's on his way there for the final time. This time when he goes to Jerusalem, he is going to be offered up and killed. He's going to die, he's going to be buried, and three days later he's going to rise again from the dead, right? So this is the final push, if you will, uh, of his ministry, right? So he's going through, he's telling people about the kingdom, he's, he's, he's helping them to see what's going to happen, and they may not understand it right now, but after it's all said and done, and you know, hindsight is 20-20, and they're looking back, they're going, they're going to remember, oh, this is what he said, And that's what he meant, right? So this is the last time that uh, he is going to come through this town on his way to Jerusalem, right? And again, we see Jesus going outside maybe of the familiar, okay? Jericho was kind of out of the way for Jerusalem. Um, it It wouldn't have been a straight shot necessarily to get there. But Jesus wasn't... Uh, wasn't in a hurry, right? He wanted to make sure that um, people were ready for what was going to come next. And he would go to people, especially in this story, outside of the of the people he would culturally identify with, right? Because Jesus was a Hebrew, a Jewish person. Uh, and so most of the Jewish people expected him to hang out with them, with them right, to identify with them. Jesus, take up our political ideologies. Jesus, take up our causes. Jesus, fight for what we believe in. And Jesus was like, I'm not really here for that. But what he did go around do was associate with people that other people typically did not. And we see that. Strangers, foreigners, outcasts. And most of the time when he did this, people grumbled and complained saying that he is associating with Sinners. Right, And we all know what happens as he's going through the town here. And like I said earlier, if you've been in church, you've heard this before. So much so, in fact, I'm going to take a risk and assume that you're so familiar with this story. That I'm going to have everybody stand up. Come on, everybody stand up. <clears throat> and we're going to sing this song together. All right. Now, I had a video downloaded. I forgot to put it in the thing. But that's OK. I'm just going to lead it. All right. I'm just going to lead it, and, and at some point, you're going to join in and sing along. And if you can't, just, you know, watermelon, word your way through it, okay? Um, so here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Very good. You guys can sit down. Some of you was like, yeah, I got into it. Some of you were like, maybe I've heard this before. It's been a while. I'm unsure. This is weird. Why did we come here? And that's okay. All right. Um, So this song is, is neat and good. And, and it helps kids to, to introduce to this story. And kids can identify with this story because guess what? They too are wee little people, all right? And if they're trying to see over a crowd, they have a hard time with that, right? And they also like to climb trees. Um, so it helps them, but it doesn't tell the whole story. It stops when Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. And if you're a kid, you're like, oh, cool. But as an adult, I'm like, then what? What happened? Well, we're going to to look at that part. It leaves out the main point. And here's the main point of this whole passage that if you kind of don't remember much of anything else, uh, try to remember this. Zacchaeus repented of his sins and he sought to restore what had been done wrong. Zacchaeus repented and not just repented, he didn't just say he was sorry, he wanted to make it right. Okay, And both of those things are key to repentance. All right? Verse 6, we see that Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree and he welcomes Jesus joyfully, all right? He doesn't just say, okay, yeah, Jesus, yeah, you, you can like, come to my house, but can you give me like a couple hours? i got to straighten up. You know, it's, he, the Bible doesn't say anything about wife or kids or family. Maybe he's a bachelor. Oh, Jesus, My room's a wreck, all right? I, my house is a mess. You know how it is. I'm just working all the time. Shaking people down for money. Um, it's tough, right? Can, can you give me like a couple hours just to go, you know, straighten up, tidy up, right? No, it says he welcomed him joyfully right there in the moment. Zacchaeus was glad to have been noticed by Jesus. All right, now I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't want to be noticed. You ever been in Walmart and like you see somebody from afar and I'm, I'm just re- confessing here because I've done it too. And you see somebody over there, and you're like, "Hey, they're so and so." I'm gonna go this way, just because, you know, not that I don't want to talk to them, but maybe you know, they're a talker, and I just don't have time right now. I gotta gotta go somewhere. Somebody all pointing to each other. I ain't trying to point nobody out. But anyways, uh, but Zacchaeus is happy. He's joyfully, uh, he's joyful to be recognized by Jesus. Okay, Uh, and here's the truth: he probably wasn't used. To happy recognition. All right? He probably wasn't used to people being happy to see him. He was probably used to people running from him, maybe being upset with him, saying things to him, trying to hit him or hit him with things, right? Uh, he was not a, he's not a popular guy because he was a tax collector, which, you know, the only thing certain in life is death and taxes. Taxation is theft, depending on what political party you're part of. But he wasn't just a regular tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. Okay? So if you've ever been familiar with a multi-level marketing scheme, a pyramid, I mean multi-level pyramid, wait a minute, marketing, if you ever sold essential oils, uh, you might understand (laughs) how this works. Sorry, I may have been a little too too out of there. So the tax collectors are collecting money from the people, it's collecting taxes, And then they are also collecting a percentage for themselves, right? So if the tax rate is, I don't know, 15%, they're collecting 20% and pocketing 5%. Well, then Zacchaeus is also collecting not from the people, he's collecting from the collectors, right? It all goes uphill, right? Um, So Zacchaeus is not just lining his pockets with, you know, the low-level people, He's lining the pockets of the people that line their pockets. Does that make sense? So he's like the, the professional extorter. Right? He's the professional extortionists. Um, not only the taxes that were due, but, but a percentage over. So the people would have seen him profit off of themselves. And they would have seen his home increase, his life increase, his possessions increase off of their hard work. Right. I think we all can identify with that in some way. We've seen uh, we all pay taxes in some form or another, whether it's, you know, some level of income tax. Every time we buy something, we pay sales tax. Some of us who own property. Well, we never really own property. You just rent it from the government for your life. You know, Uh, we pay property taxes and it's hard sometimes seeing how that money is spent in a way that seems very wasteful. So we've all we can identify with the people. Right. We've seen that sort of stuff. Like, like, what if, you know, <laughs> uh, and do we see any, you know, parallels in our world, government waste, like we're talking about, like, what if Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, who were two billionaires, were visited upon by Jesus and he affirmed their worth by going into their home? I would have some issues with that. I mean, I'll just be real honest. Like, I like Jeff Bezos in theory, I guess. I, I... Obviously, support Amazon. He's the owner of Amazon, by the way. I support his stuff by using his product all the time. Amazon Prime is huge. Look, if you want to point somebody out, I'm not pointing anybody out. I'll point myself. Uh, Because I found it's easier to just order something off Prime than to go to Walmart. If I can wait two days for it, absolutely, I'm doing that. Um, Elon Musk, the owner of. Tesla. He's doing Starlink. He just bought Twitter for like $40 billion. If Jesus came and supported them by association, it'd be kind of a big deal, right? People would have some thoughts about that and probably some heavy, strong thoughts. So we can relate when these people say, Jesus is going to stay with a sinful man. Jesus is going to stay with the guy that's lining his pockets with my money. And I don't know how to feel about that. I thought this Jesus was a good guy because Zach is not a good guy. But when Zacchaeus met Jesus and Jesus not only acknowledged him, he spoke to him and he wanted to initiate a relationship with Zacchaeus, which again was probably not something he was used to. He gave Zacchaeus worth. Not monetary worth, relational worth. Zacchaeus probably felt some, I will to say pride, like some self-esteem in his, own, in his own self, right? And again, I'm not trying to say, oh, you know, there's poor rich people. They're so lonely and, you know. No, but he had to have felt that at some level. But Jesus ascribed worth to him and something in him changed. It's kind of like the Grinch, Right? You know, the story of Christmas is coming up. Like I said, it's in like four days. Uh, so the Grinch, right? How the Grinch stole Christmas. Um, I'm talking about the cartoon version, right? The Jim Carrey, like real people version. It was cool. But in my heart, it's always the, the cartoon version uh, with uh, who was the guy that voiced him or that was a Boris Karloff or whatever that sung the song. Anyways, at the end of the movie uh, or, or toward the end of the cartoon, he had stolen everything. He's like, yeah, I've taken all their joy. And then he hears... Like ringing out from the valley below. And he realized Christmas cheer wasn't in the things. It was in their hearts. Right? And what does it say about the Grinch? His heart grew how big that day? His heart grew three sizes that day. Right? So Zacchaeus, maybe in a similar way, although he didn't really celebrate Christmas and all that sort of stuff, Jesus recognized him. Jesus wanted to be in relationship with him. His heart probably grew, expanded, and he wanted, he realized there was more, and he longed for that. And he immediately, right there, makes two pledges. He makes two pledges to Jesus right in front of everybody. He says, I'll give away half of everything I own, 50% off the top. And then, not only on top of that, I'm going to repay four times anything that I've taken wrongfully, anything that I've extorted from anybody. Now, he, there was some precedent for this in Jewish law. Okay, if you look back in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all those things, there was about a 20% repayment required for extortion. But Zacchaeus goes above and beyond. He says, I'll go four times. Jesus, I'm so... Overwhelmed by the fact that you noticed me and by the fact that you want to know me, I'll do anything. I'll forgo my fancy stuff. I'll forgo my nice house. I'll sell my flat screen TV, my Xbox, and my PlayStation. I'll sell all that stuff, Jesus, because I want to know you. You're worth more. And he didn't offer excuses. He didn't offer half-hearted promises. He didn't say, okay, Jesus, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to launch an internal investigation into my organization. And, you know, after a couple years of ongoing investigation, he would report that the results were inconclusive or that the matter had been dealt with internally. Right? Have we ever seen that? So that So that he could go on about his extortion. He didn't do that. He offered his wealth. Well, the people's wealth. He was offering to give it back, to make things right, to fix it. This is repentance. This is turning away from sin. He admitted, I've done this. And it was wrong. And I'm going to do what I can to make it right. But even more than that, it was restoration, seeking to make things right again. And especially in a in church community, one of the things that um, I feel like we, we focus on and we should focus on, and, and even better than, than we do, is this fact of Jesus not only came to forgive you of your sins so that you could spend eternity in heaven with Him. That's amazing. That actually was not the main point, I believe. The main point is so that our relationships can be restored, not just with Him, but with each other. right? And when we do mess up, because I will, I promise you, if you've known me for longer than 10 minutes, you've probably seen me mess up. And I'm going to keep messing up because it's just the way it is. It happens, right? It's never intentional, um, but it happens. And so we should be willing to, as a community, work with one another, be patient with one another to restore one another, to bring things about, to make things right the way that they were. As much as we can. Some things we can't fix. We can't ever totally undo damages. But we can do what we can, right? We can't make a perfect world on our own. And if you've ever studied politics, at least in the U.S., you've probably seen you know, people who are elected to um, office, especially if they're new, they make all kinds of promises, like, I'm going to clean out Washington. Right? Anybody, in, back in 2010, the Tea Party was a big, big part of that. They had promises to go and clean out the corruption. And I was like, man, that's great. We need that. Um, and, and if you read reports or hear stories about what actually happens, they get there, and then they kind of get overwhelmed because the political machine is super complicated. It doesn't turn on a dime. You can't just stop things and then turn around. You ever seen videos of guys uh, stopping tugboats? If you haven't, try to go watch it. So there are these guys that have these these massive, like, you know, six-inch thick ropes, and there's a tugboat or a big crew. not a tugboat, like a big, uh, what's the cargo? The the big ones that have the big tractor trailer, not a barge. The big ones that go, like, across the the ocean, huh? The ocean barge, okay. Uh, Anyways. The, those things, the big ones. And this guy sitting there with just a rope. And he wraps it around, you know, the hooks on the dock. And, it, and, it's, just, and it's just only moving just, you know, very slowly. But it's so much weight and so much momentum that the rope is sitting there just sh- screaming as it's going around this metal tile thingy, whatever it's called. And he's like pulling back on it and trying. And finally it does stop. But it takes a minute, right? And the political machine is like that. Senators vote against measures that their party doesn't support, but then take advantage of the money produced by those bills to the tune of billions of dollars often, right? And it's on it's on all sides, right? It's not one side or the other. It's all sides. Because you have to play the game. You have to keep everyone happy, both your constituents and your lobbyists, right? Um, wouldn't it be actually helpful and funny if, uh, politicians were required to put patches of their supporters on their, tie, on their suits like NASCAR. You know, here we see uh, Senator so-and-so today. He's in the, the uh, Exxon mobile suit. and I don't know, whatever. They all do this to some extent, one way or another. Every party politician is part of the system. They have to abide by the rules or they don't get to keep playing. It's a crazy system. And so for Zacchaeus, in a similar way, he was part of the system of his day. To make actual change is impressive. He, but in the moment, he did what he could. And though he couldn't fix all of the corruption in the whole Roman Empire, he could fix his own heart. He could make amends for the things that he had done. And that's repentance. I can't ever make up for all the wrong things I've done. I can't make up for the wrong things that other pastors have done. Whether, whether you've had personal experience with it or their pastors... All over the United States, if you Google pastor scandal, pastor sexual abuse, pastor molestation, it's everywhere. I can't make up for all that. All I can do is, is try to do the right thing myself, right? It, but repentance is not just feeling bad about what you've done. Now, that's a start, but it's taking steps to actually change and to live according to the principles that you ascribe to. And just like we see here, Jesus is faithful to forgive like He always is. He's faithful to show mercy. And in verse 10, He says, Salvation has come to this house for this man, Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. Jesus proclaims forgiveness for Zacchaeus. The slate is wiped clean. Your sins are remembered no more. Zacchaeus brought his salva- or Jesus brought His salvation to Zacchaeus Because of his repentance. And that's his desire for everyone. In verse 10, the last verse, I think it said verse 10. Verse 9 was one before. Verse 10 now. uh, Can we get verse 10 up up on the screen? Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And that's his goal and his desire for everyone. Because we are all lost. Right. We are all in need of this relationship that Jesus offered Zacchaeus. We are all wandering around in our lives at odds with others, at odds with our own selves at times. And Jesus sees us and Jesus knows us. And that's kind of scary in a way, because, God, if you knew, if you know everything goes on in my heart. I'm not comfortable with that. There are things I don't want people to know. Thoughts that I've had, intrusive thoughts that are wrong, and I recognize them and I say, hey, that's wrong, and say, you know, in my own head, like, hey, we can't, we don't think like that. Jesus knows those things, and he still wants to to know me anyways. He still wants me to know his love anyways. He wants me to know him, and that's a big deal, right? right. We all have a need for Jesus' salvation for His relationship, which restores us with our Creator. And we've seen the past couple weeks, as we've seen today, no matter who you are, He's faithful. He's so loving and He's so kind, willing to overlook the wrongs that we've done and to offer us love and peace. Peace with God. Peace with ourselves. Peace with one another. Do you like being in conflict, or feeling out of sorts, I hate it. I hate that. I hate being in conflict with others, so much so that I will like be inconvenienced. I will let people like, you know, take advantage of me because I just don't want to deal with conflict. I've been there now. Not all the time, but I've been there. Like you've got a rock, like if you've got a rock in your shoe or your shirt is twisted or backwards, my boys, I don't understand. They can wear a shirt that's like backwards and I, I can't stand that because if I do I feel like I'm choking if I ever if you ever have put on a shirt backwards you know you used you, you, you to wear in a certain way uh this morning I was walking through the house and I was like there's something on my foot wasn't the one I looked down it was like some kind of gemstone or rhinestone from one of the girls bedazzler things I hate being out of sorts I hate feeling out of sorts and our own sins those things that we do that go against what God wants They put us out of sorts with God. They separate us. They hold us back from knowing His love completely. And just like Zacchaeus, we are too short to see how much we need Him. We are too short to see exactly what He sees. But every so often we get a glimpse of our own sinfulness, especially paired with His goodness. And then we realize our great need and we experience His love that recognizes us even when we don't deserve it. This love that sees me and He sees my need and He knows how off of the mark I am. And He says, I love you anyways. And I want you to know my love anyways. And I want, to know, I want you to know me. That's a big deal. That leads to repentance and that leads to restoration. And many of us may have already experienced this love and received His forgiveness, well then He's calling us, if we have already received it, to go out and extend the same extravagant, loving recognition that restores relationships to the world around us, into our families, into our workplaces, into our communities. He wants us to not just take this great treasure and hoard it up inside of ourselves, but to go and tell the whole world about it so that they can know. Not that we can forgive anyone's sins, right? We can't, I can't go out and say, today your sins are forgiven. I, nobody can do that, right? Only Jesus. But if we can reflect a little bit of Jesus' light into their lives, if we can help them to understand that there's something greater, if we can tell them specifically what Jesus has done for us, we can illuminate the darkness, even just a little, so that they might know that there's hope. So when we do things like give coats to those people in need, when we... Um, help families at Christmas when we build ramps or give out candy or any act of goodness that we might show. If we do it with good intentions, it's sharing the love of Jesus, regardless of the outcome, right? Even just for a short time. So this week, how can we examine ourselves and then what do we do about it? If you're like me, I had a, a preacher one time, um, that I, that I love and still know and love to this day, uh, he had a phrase that, that really spoke to me. He says, you know what? I know you because I know me. And so if you're anything like me, there may be something that's lying in your pockets that shouldn't be there. Maybe some sort of, just some wrong between you and someone else, between you and God, and you need to make it right. God's calling you to do that. And the great thing about it is, if he calls you to do something that's hard, if he calls you to take a risk, he's going to help you to do it. He's going to help you to make it. Right? He promises to walk through us or walk with us in our times of troubles. This week, go out, make amends. Restore what was what's gone. Restore what was broken. Fix it as much as you can. We can never make it so that it did as if it didn't happen. There will always be some scars, some some evidence of what happened but we can do the best that we can and even if if maybe it's if it's someone that we've hurt and we go and try to ask forgiveness from them if they don't accept that's the best we can do we should be we should do that we shouldn't say well they'll never forgive me and never try right we always go and do what we can Maybe you realize you've never received Jesus' love or you've never asked forgiveness or placed your trust in Him for your soul to get saved, uh, as as churches like to say a lot of times. Every day is the perfect day for that. If you feel that right now or you feel there's something, you just need God stirring your heart about something, but you don't know what it is or even how to pray about it, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, I can't do anything for you. No, none of us can, but we would love to help you pray about it just to support you. Um, but you don't need me. You don't need to come pray with me or have me pray with you. Or You can pray right there where you are. You can pray, and the Holy Spirit will help you to do that. Um, and I believe that God will meet you in the moment, right there in your chair, uh, in your heart, and He will help you to repent and to be restored with Him. So as we do our uh, closing invitation here, Take this time, these next four or five minutes something like that, um, to just seek, just talk to God. Spend time in fellowship with Him. Uh, ask Him to illuminate anything in you that needs to be restored. Maybe you're not in a great position with Him. Right? Not that He's upset with you, but maybe you've just kind of wandered away. You've just kind of walked away. Right? I've been there. I have to go back, you know, every I don't know, every so often in my life, and to say, hey, God, I've just kind of veered off the path. I didn't really mean to. Maybe sometimes I did mean to. I don't know. But I didn't, it wasn't intended, and, and I need to come back. And he's never said, "Nah, I'm good. Don't worry about it. He's always welcoming me with open arms and, and a loving embrace, um, and he wants to do the same thing for you. So take this, this next little bit to do that. I'll be in the back. I'd love to pray with you, but God wants to meet you right where you are while he was talking I was kind of thinking of Zacchaeus and growing up I was always told like oh you go to church oh you're the good girl this and that and I'm just imagining like how Zacchaeus reacted to all this stuff of like kind of thinking of what the haters are saying like "Oh, look at him thinking he's perfect because he met Jesus and stuff like that and this song um, just kind of makes me think maybe this is what Zacchaeus was saying when he was done so if you guys want to stand and sing Hey, thanks for listening. We pray again that this was an encouragement and a blessing to you. If you should have any questions, comments, or concerns about what you have heard, please feel free to email us. You can reach us at hopechurchrc at gmail.com. Our website is hopechurchrc.org, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and even TikTok at hopechurchrc. Um, And we'd love to have you come visit us. Uh, We meet Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., And every other Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, which is our first uh, night for a kids service (K5), um, and uh, from 6:30 to 7:30. Uh, Otherwise, it's Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We'd love to have you come visit us. We are, if you're in the Rutherford County, North Carolina area, um, then you can find our address on the website. We are a casual church that uh, is super laid back, super chill. Um, But we love Jesus, and we want to love other people, just like he commanded us to. Anyways, come visit us sometime. Reach out if you have any comments, questions, or concerns. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Peace.